After losing the series over the weekend against the Braves, the Orioles were just outplayed by the Tampa Bay Rays on Monday night. And it was a good reminder that the schedule does not get easier from here. They are in the middle of a tough, tough stretch, and the O's are going to be really tested in the month of May. We'll recap the loss to the Rays and talk about that upcoming schedule coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, May 9th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we will start by recapping the Orioles' 3-0 loss to the Rays. As Kyle Gibson bounced back to pitch well, but the Orioles' offense just nowhere to be found in this one. I'll get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' third consecutive loss. Then we'll talk about the schedule stretch that the Orioles are in. Because they just got out of what was a pretty easy 22-game stretch. Well, they're now in the middle of a very difficult 22-game stretch. We'll break that down and what the O's need to do in the month of May, and then get you some injury updates in this one on Dylan Tate, Michael Givens, and Ramon Arias. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, and wanted to remind you that we've got a partnership now with SiriusXM. And the Orioles play the Rays tonight at 6.35 p.m. Eastern Time, trying to even up the series. And you can catch every pitch of the Orioles' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Orioles. So let's jump into an Orioles loss here to start the pod. Final score from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Monday night as the Orioles came back home to start a 10-game homestand but did not score a run, falling 3-0 to the best team in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays, who are now 29-7 on the season. Orioles fall to 22-13, and and they have lost their third consecutive game. Not something they've done much at all this year. But I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 3-0 loss to the Rays. And the first thing you need to know is that, unfortunately, Adley Rutschman is in a slump right now. And really, it's his first one of the season. Rutschman, who came out of the gates red hot, is starting to valley a little bit. This is going to happen for a guy who has never played in a major league game in April or early May. He is still in his first full big league season. He's still a young hitter. Guys are going to slump. They slump all the time. Unfortunately, Adley's slump seems to be coming when the Orioles are playing their best opponents. He goes 0-4 for 4 with three strikeouts in Monday night's game, just the sixth time in his career that he has struck out three times in a game. He's never struck out four times or more. His average down to 271, OPS down to 799, and Adley is now 0 for his last 18 at the plate. Did not have a hit in the Braves series. He did walk four times, but didn't have a hit and did not reach base in Monday night's game. And it all kind of culminated in what was... Probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, chance for the Orioles to score in this game. Bottom of the seventh inning, they had gotten Shane McClanahan out of the game, who was marvelous. Six scoreless innings with seven strikeouts. They had gotten into the bullpen, Colin Pochet. They, with two outs, they got a McKenna single. They got an Austin Hayes double. And all of a sudden, second and third, two outs for Adley Rutschman. And he strikes out on a slider in the dirt to end the inning. 
That was kind of the story of the night for Rutschman and for the Orioles. He will break out of this because he is an elite-level hitter. Just kind of an unfortunate time to have a slump. You know he's going to have them. You just don't want him to come when the rest of the lineup starting to struggle a little bit and you're playing right now the best team in baseball, at least record-wise. Second thing you need to know from this one is that the Orioles' offense over the last couple of games seems to have lost the clutch gene a bit. Talked about this yesterday when breaking down the Orioles' series loss to the Braves over the weekend, but they couldn't come up with that big hit late in Saturday's game, and then they were horrendous with runners in scoring position on Sunday. The Orioles had chance after chance to put some runs on the board in that Sunday game that they eventually lost 3-2 in 12 innings. The O's went 1-14 for 14 with runners in scoring position in Sunday's loss to the Braves. They followed it up with an 0-6 for 6 with runners in scoring position in Monday's loss, now 1-20 for 20 in their last two games. I mentioned the Adley situation. That was one of the biggest spots. But they also did have a chance in that fourth inning, got first and second with no outs, and ended up with a flyout and then a weird double play on a flare to take them out of that inning. Had a few more chances after a Santander double in the sixth that he just missed a game-tying solo homer. Couldn't capitalize there either. And some struggles just kind of continuing. The O's did have seven hits in this game, and they did draw four walks, all by Shane McClanahan. So they certainly had base runners, but just could not come through. Very similar to what happened on Sunday. Third thing you need to know is really the more unfortunate part than the loss here is that Ramon Arias left this game with an injury. And you could argue that Arias had the best offensive day out of any Oriole in this game. Got the start at third base, hitting eighth, went one for two with two walks and two hard hit balls in the game. He was the only Oriole to reach base three times in this one. But the third one was costly. It was a two-out single in the bottom of the ninth inning that kept the game alive. But he came up limp on his way to first base, had to leave the game, was replaced by Kyle Stowers as a pinch runner. And the Orioles said already it is a left hamstring strain. And it is not good when they identify the injury right after the game. Generally, they'll say he's day-to-day. We're not sure. We're doing more testing. And then the next day, usually find out. It worries me that it could be severe when they already know what the injury is. You never know, and we haven't gotten any kind of timeline on if he's going on the injured list, but you have to think Ramon Arias is going to head to the IL. He's had a couple of lower body injuries like this over the past couple of years, and this is another one for Arias, who quietly has been pretty productive in the Orioles lineup, hitting 278, 756 OPS, still playing gold glove level defense at third base and second base. I think this is going to hit him onto the IL. The O's really have two options. It'll either be Taron Vavra or Joey Ortiz, who is called up. I would think it's tough because hitter-wise, you lean Ortiz because you can replace him with a right-handed hitter. But positionally, you may lean Vavra because Vavra can play third base or at least has done it more than Ortiz has. We'll see what the Orioles do. And, of course, Vavra can play second. You can stick him in the outfield. It's either going to be Vavra or Ortiz to replace him if he does go on the IL. But a tough break there for Ramon Arias. Fourth thing you need to know from this one, switching over the pitching side, is that Kyle Gibson was was marvelous in this game for the Orioles. Coming off of back-to-back just really bad starts against bad offenses. Struggled against the Tigers and the Royals. 
Gibson put it all back together on Monday night. He goes six-plus innings, allowing two earned runs on six hits with four strikeouts, two walks, and a homer allowed. Threw 93 pitches and allowed just six hard-hit balls in six innings as he lowered his ERA to 4.40 on the season. Gibson was strong. I mean, he gave up a leadoff bloop single to Luke Raley in the top of the seventh and then came out of the game Brian Baker, who we'll get to later, allowed that inherited runner to score, so that is why he had the second earned run. But Kyle Gibson seemed to have his stuff back on Monday night. The velocity was up on all of his pitches. I mean, the fastball was up a tick. The changeup, the the cutter, everything was up, and he was changeup heavy once again. We've kind of seen it over the last few starts, even though he struggled. Gibson is relying more and more on that changeup, and he kind of went to the extreme on Monday night. 93 pitches, 30 of them were changeups. He did not throw any other pitch more than 19 times on the night, but he went with 30 changeups in this game. That pitch got four whiffs. It was in the strike zone. It was looking good, and Kyle Gibson got 13 whiffs on 51 swings. Not an amazing percentage, but 13 whiffs is 13 whiffs. The sweeper looked really good. He only threw it 11 times. But he got four whiffs on seven swings on the sweeper. The changeup looked good. His big issue, really, he just didn't get a lot of called strikes. It was a lot of foul balls, a lot of balls in play. He only had eight called strikes on the night. But he was getting swings and misses. He was getting a lot of soft contact. The changeup was good. The sweeper was great. And the cutter worked in his favor when he needed it. And it was really just, I mean, a mammoth home run in the second inning by Josh Lowe. And then that leadoff single in the seventh. And unfortunately, it came around to score. But otherwise... Really, really good stuff from Kyle Gibson. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this one is that Brian Baker kind of looks like he got his power zapped by the Monstars over the past couple of outings because Baker had 14 consecutive scoreless outings and then he's seemingly just fallen apart over his last three appearances. It started in the game Thursday when he walked the bases loaded, had to have Danny Coulomb bail him out with two strikeouts. Then it was Saturday night in Atlanta where he let a couple batters on, got a really, really lucky double play to get out of an inning, and then he allowed a leadoff double in the eighth. That run ended up coming around to score on the Kevin Pillar homer. Comes back out in this game after Gibson allows the leadoff single in the seventh, and he walks the first two batters he faces. And Francisco Mejia and Yandy Diaz never even have to take the bat off their shoulders. He walks them, I think, on nine pitches. He gets lucky on a Wander Franco sack fly where the Orioles are able to throw Diaz out at second on some bad base running. And then he does get out of the inning on a hard ground ball to third base. So he only allowed the one run, and it wasn't even earned to him. He actually gets a scoreless inning. But he walked two. He didn't strike out anybody. And these last three appearances have been really concerning. The stuff still looks similar. I mean, the velocity is similar. Change-up velo was a little down, but that's not a huge problem. He only got one whiff, though. And the really tough part is he's just got no command right now. That's really been the issue. The stuff's still there. He's still getting swings and misses at times. But just no command of any of his three pitches right now. And that's, that's a little concerning for Brian Baker, who had been such a big part of the Orioles' bullpen. But the O's do fall 3-0 to the Tampa Bay Rays, dropping game one of the series, and they have now lost three games in a row. And sometimes, I mean, the offense just doesn't do it. I mean, the O's were sixth in baseball with a 121 WRC+, plus with runners in scoring position this year. 
They've now gone one for 20 over the last two games. Sometimes it just happens. I mean, Shane McClanahan's one of the best pitchers in the world, so he'll do it to you sometimes. He was nasty on Monday night, but a tough loss for the O's against the team with the best record in baseball. But it's kind of what the O's are going to be facing here. We know they just came off a really tough series in Atlanta, really tough series against the Rays here, and it doesn't get easier. They are in the middle of 22 consecutive games against teams that currently have winning records. So coming up next, we're going to break down this tough stretch of the Orioles' schedule. We'll talk about who they're going to play and what they have to do to kind of maintain this really great start they've had to the season. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, I love going on FanDuel because the app makes it so, so easy. They've got promotions every day, and the app, it's safe and secure. You know your money is safe in there. And, hey, you got NBA playoffs. I'm looking at the Lakers right now. Give me the Lakers to win this series. Give me Lakers money line against the Warriors really to win this series right now. And there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the Orioles fall 3-0 to the Tampa Bay Rays on Monday night. They've now dropped three games in a row and... Not an amazing start to this super tough part of the schedule. It's something we talked about in you know mid to late April for the Orioles schedule. They had 22 consecutive games against really teams that were bad. All teams that were below 500 when they played them. Now, the Red Sox were in that stretch, and they're better now. But the Orioles went 17-5 and in that stretch. They did exactly what they needed to do. Handled their business 17-5 and against bad teams. So you set yourself up with a really good record. They come out of there at 21 and 10, feeling good, but knowing the next 22 games basically flips on its head. Because including the Brave series and including, you know, game 1 against the Rays and the rest of the games against the Rays, the series in Atlanta started a 22-game stretch in which the Orioles only play teams with records above 500 at the moment. And these are some of the best teams in baseball too. So it started with three against the Braves on the road. You know it was going to be tough. The Orioles, I mean, they had a chance to win that series, let alone maybe sweep it. They get one out of three only. And I talked about it on yesterday's episode. Make sure to go back and check that one out. That The O's should be proud despite the series loss. They played really well in Atlanta. But coming home for a 10-game homestand, you know they got to get some series wins. And they dropped the first game against the Rays on Monday night. So after the three at the Braves, who I would call right now the best team in baseball, they have the second best record. Then you got three against the Rays at home, who have the most wins in baseball and are super impressive, right? Like, they don't dominate you like the Braves can, but they beat you exactly like they did Monday night. They scored just enough runs, their pitching is dominant, their bullpen does enough, and you just look up and you're like, we weren't dominated at all. I felt like we could have won that game, but you lose almost every time. That's how the Rays get you. Then there's three against the Pirates. Now, I will say, the Pirates looking a little easier than they did a couple of weeks ago. The Pirates did beat the Rockies 2-0 on Monday night, but that snapped a seven-game losing streak. Now, the Pirates are still in first place at 21-15, and 
but they were looking much more daunting a couple of weeks ago. Then they played some real baseball teams in the Rays and the Blue Jays, and they lost seven in a row. So I think the O's with three at home against the Pirates, that could be a chance for a sweep even. Then you get four at home against the Angels. Now, again, the Angels playing good baseball at 19 and 16. They're two games back in the AL West. They've got Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. The O's are probably going to have to face Otani as a pitcher and a hitter. But the Angels give up a lot of runs. And when Otani is not on the mound, they have really struggled on the hill. They played the Texas Rangers this weekend, the Angels did, and they just could not stop giving up runs in that series. They gave up 16 runs in the Sunday game of that series, and that was after giving up 10 runs in the Saturday game of that series. The Angels pitching right now, not good. Hopefully the Orioles can jump all over that. Then they go on the road. They play the Blue Jays for the first time. Three in Toronto. Blue Jays playing great baseball right now at 21-14. and 14. Then they go to New York to take on the Yankees. Yankees just beat the A's on Monday night to get to 19-17. and 17, But they will have Aaron Judge back by that series. The Yankees will be a better team by then. Then the O's come back home and they get three against the Rangers, who I know the Orioles already took two of three against the Rangers in Texas, but the Rangers look a lot better now. They are sitting in first place in the AL West at 20 and 13 and are playing some good baseball. So right there, you know, it's not the best above 500 teams. Like the Pirates are easily beatable. The Angels are beatable. The Orioles have already showed that the Rangers are beatable as well. But you're looking at those 22 games and you're thinking, what do you feel like you want to do? Well, at this point, the Rays are so good, you try to get one of these three games, right? That gets you to two and four in that stretch. I think you can get all three against the Pirates. That should be the goal. So that should get you to five and four. You should really try to get three out of four against the Angels, which gets you to eight and five. At Blue Jays, at Yankees for six, hopefully you can split those and go three and three, which puts you at 11 and eight. And then two out of three at home against the Rangers, you're trying to go 13 and nine in this stretch is basically what I'm telling you. If you can go 13 and nine, which is a really good number, you're 34 and 19 coming out of this stretch. Even if the O's go 11 and 11, you're still 32 and 21, which is still like a 98 win pace. That's still pretty great. So even if you can go 500 in this stretch, the O's gave themselves some wiggle room to do that because they went 17-5 and against those 22 bad teams. Now, the issue is, it's not like it gets a lot easier after this 22-game stretch ends. Because the next series after that Texas series, they're at home against the Cleveland Guardians. And while the Guardians are technically under 500 this year at 16-19, and they got a good team and they just won the division last year. So they're no slouch. Then they go to San Francisco. Now the Giants aren't great this year. They're three games under 500, but it's still a tough place to play. And then they go to Milwaukee, who's 20 and 15, and by that time will most likely be in first place in the NL Central. And then finally after that, they play the Royals. They get back to a bad team. The schedule is not easy through May and honestly through parts of June as well. This is going to be a stretch where we learn a lot about the Orioles. It is going to be tough, tough, tough this month of May. But again, I mean, I think they can go 13-9, and but they should be shooting for 11-11 and in this stretch. If you can come out of this stretch 500, again, you'll be 32-21. and That's 53 games into the season. That's a pretty good spot to be in. It's going to be tough. We're going to learn a lot, and that should be the goal here for the Orioles. 
But one good thing for the O's is they could be getting some reinforcements as they go through this tough part of the schedule. Dylan Tate and Michael Givens getting closer and closer to getting back to the big leagues, and we got some updates on them on Monday. I'll share those with you, plus a couple of other roster updates coming up next. So the Orioles are certainly in this tough part of the schedule and just have lost three in a row after a 3 nothing loss to the Rays on Monday night. But the bullpen, at the very least, going to get a little help, it seems. Now, unfortunately, Ramon Arias may be going on the I.L., now, it could mean Joey Ortiz is back. He could help the team. Could mean Taron Vavra is back. He's been killing it in AAA. But the bullpen has been good, but can certainly get better with their two veteran guys, Dylan Tate and Michael Givens, who have not pitched for the O's this year because of injuries. But they are getting closer. We got updates from the Orioles on Monday that both would continue their rehab assignments on Wednesday. So let's start with Dylan Tate and the update on him. Tate, who had the kind of forearm slash elbow issue dating back to November in the offseason, finally started a rehab assignment a couple of weeks ago. It hasn't gone great. He made one appearance in high A Aberdeen, then went up and he's made four appearances in double A Bowie so far. It's been a little concerning. Four innings over his five appearances, eight runs on nine hits, five Ks, three walks, and a home run allowed. Yeah, that's eight runs in four innings. That's not very good. His last three outings... They've been terrible. And you don't want to look too much at results, right? On a rehab assignment, it's more so how does the stuff look? How's it breaking? How's the velocity? How's the spin rate? How is he recovering? That's all much more important than the results. But when the results are this bad against double-A hitters, it is a little bit concerning. So May 2nd, he went an inning and a third, allowed two runs on three hits with a strikeout and a homer. Not too bad. That, that's fine for a rehab outing. But then May 5th, he only recorded one out. He allowed three runs on two hits with no strikeouts and a walk. Then the Orioles, for the first time in the rehab assignment, decided to pitch him on back-to-back -back days. So he came back on Saturday after pitching Friday. So he came back May 6th. Once again, only recorded one out. No hits, two walks, no strikeouts. Ended up with two earned runs. That's not great for Dylan Tate. I've at least heard the stuff is mostly there. Not 100% there, but mostly there. And the Orioles are going to move him up to AAA Norfolk to continue the rehab assignment. He will pitch Wednesday night for the Norfolk Tides. And Tate did say, and the Orioles did say, when he started his rehab assignment, he would like at least five to six appearances before he's big league ready. Well, Wednesday in AAA will be his sixth appearance. Now, the fact that it hasn't gone that well, and he's just now getting to AAA, tells me he's going to at least need a seventh appearance later in the week. And they're probably going to want to have him go back-to-back -back again before they bring him back to the bigs. But we're probably looking, if they think he's okay, at early next week maybe he rejoins the Orioles. And then there's Michael Givens, who had the knee injury in spring training and was not ready for opening day after the O's signed him, or at least brought him back, I should say, on a one-year $5 million contract. He got his rehab started a little later than Dylan Tate did, so he's only pitched in three games so far, but he's been untouchable. All three appearances have been in double-A buoy for Michael Givens. Three scoreless and hitless innings with five strikeouts and just one walk. His stuff, I, I think I've heard, looks pretty similar to what you would expect. Now, Givens is going to stay in double-A. He's going to pitch once again in double-A buoy on Wednesday night. We'll see if the O's want him to go to triple-A as well, just like Tate. But one thing I will say for Givens... He has not pitched in a back-to-back -back yet. He pitched on the 29th, then May 2nd, then May 5th. 
So he has not pitched since Friday, and he'll pitch again on Wednesday. I'm sure he's doing side sessions and all that, but I would think the O's will want to get him in back-to-back real games. So potentially that happens Wednesday and Thursday for Bowie before they call him up. So I would think similar timelines for him and Tate. Maybe he's pushed back a little bit. But I think we're at the point where sometime next week, during the schedule next week, when the O's are home against the Angels and then in Toronto, you could see in one of those series, I think, Dylan Tate and Michael Givens rejoin the team. Now, it's going to be a big question of who they replace. And right now, you know, Keegan Aiken gave up another home run in the ninth inning on Monday night. I feel like he's the one easy choice to send down. The other one is tougher. I mean, CNL Perez hasn't pitched well, but he's out of options. The O's don't want to DFA him, and he's been pitching a little better. Austin Voth was really bad early in the year, but he's gotten much better. You'd also have to DFA him. Mike Bauman could be the odd man out because he has options, because he had a couple of rough outings lately. I mean, maybe it's Brian Baker. He's got options, I believe, because he's been, I mean, really bad the last couple of outings. Maybe he needs a reset in AAA. The O's will still have a week or more to figure this out, and things could change in the bullpen by there. There could be an injury, whatever it could be. But they're getting closer and closer to having to make that decision. Now, in terms of reinforcements... In the bullpen, there was good news for the Orioles on Monday. They did find out that Joey Crable did clear waivers. Remember, Crable was DFA'd a couple of days ago when the Orioles traded for Luis Torrens and added him to the 40-man and then the active roster. They DFA'd Crable. You would think if they're going to DFA a guy like Joey Crable, they probably have a good feeling he's not going to get claimed, and that's exactly what happened. He passed through waivers. He accepted his assignment back to AAA Norfolk, so he will stay in the organization, stay in AAA. He just won't be on the 40-man roster, and that means there's still probably a chance that Crable pitches in the big leagues at some point this year for the Orioles, but even though he struggled a little bit in AAA and struggled down the stretch last year, it's nice to have him as a depth option. The more depth, the better, especially in AAA, and that's what the Orioles get to add to with Joey Crable. But that'll do it for this one today. O's tough showing. Just bats never got going on Monday night in the 3-0 loss. They will look to even up the series here coming up on Tuesday night. It's a tough task against the 29-7 and Tampa Bay Rays. But hopefully the starting pitchers can feed off of what Kyle Gibson did. And hopefully Grayson Rodriguez can flip the script from that terrible start in Kansas City on Thursday. Grayson will get the ball in tonight's game, a 6.35 p.m. Eastern time start. And on the flip side, it'll be Zach Eflin, who was the biggest free agent signing in Rays history when they inked him to a three-year, $40 million deal this offseason. And the 29-year-old righty did spend a little time on the IL, but since coming back, he's been marvelous. In five starts, he's got a 2.25 ERA, 31 Ks in 28 innings. He was absolutely dominant in his last start. That was Thursday against the Pirates. Seven scoreless innings with 10 strikeouts, no walks, and just three hits allowed in that one. Hopefully the Orioles can get to Eflin on Tuesday night. And then I'll be back with you on Wednesday recapping the action from Orioles and Rays game two and getting you that update on Ramon Arias. Will he go on the IL? And if he does, who comes back to the bigs? to replace him. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.